So hi, I'm Michael. I'm an improv artist. I'm an entrepreneur. I am very, very neurotic. But most of all, I'm a TV host and I'm your host right now for what we call the Second Scene Podcast. It is a Dweebs Global production where you can go for free mentorship help. Anything from resume writing to mental health, they supply it and it's free. They have over 500 volunteers from around the world, every language, every country, and it's free and confidential. So please go to dweebsglobal.org. So I'm here today with Janice Eisman. Janice was a fashion media executive for Harper's Bazaar. And after dealing with her own lifestyle and body challenges, she decided to take her health and fitness into her own hands. She is now a highly certified fitness and nutrition specialist and one of Reader's Digest's go-to experts. So welcome, Janice. Thank you. So happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. So you worked in the fashion industry. I did for a while as well. So I know what that's like. I did not enjoy it myself. <laughs> I did actually enjoy it. What did you do in the fashion industry? Well, I, I built websites back in the day. I lived in New York and I had a design firm and I was the CTO. So I was the technology guy, not the designer, but we, we were, did business with like David Yerman and Eric Postel and Puma and you know, we were right there with, I don't know if you knew heard of like David um, Lippman yeah. ad agency. Yeah. He was like the center of the ideas. We shared an office with him for a while. So yeah, we were in the center of it. I, yeah, I was, I don't know. It's hard sometimes. Like you have to worry about what, how you look every day and how you act every day. And there was, was a lot of that, yeah. And, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely a personality driven business. Let's say that. <laughs> yes, it is. But you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it actually. Yes. That was, that was for me. I grew up on a farm and I actually went to university and discovered that I liked the marketing end of the world. And I worked really hard to get that job. And it was, it was a decade and a half in the making or something like that. It was not, it wasn't something that kind of fell into my lap. So I walked one step closer and one step closer and one step closer and one step closer. And it really was something that I loved. However, I know you worked in this world. It's really fast paced. It's extremely demanding. It's challenging in ways that have nothing to do with the work that you're doing. Like you said, you get the once over every time you come in or out of the office. There's a lot of personality. Personalities. <laughs> yes, there are. And there, it is a very demanding job. I'm not afraid of hard work and work ethic, but part of the demand was a lot of politics and part of the demand was a constant knowingness that it was really the attitude. If you don't like it, someone else wants your job. And I actually grew very weary of the personalities and the energy of the business as opposed to the business itself. I actually love clothing. I love the business of clothing. I love the media business. I love all of that. But the, the human interaction on a day-to-day -day level, it was just so different from the kinds of people that I grew up with. The work ethic might have been the same, but I didn't really ever understand the politics and the, and the kind of getting ahead game and the attitude of, well, we can just literally, you know, this was pre-Tinder days, but it was like a swipe left idea where we just, we just eradicate you. We don't, you know? it seriously was as soon as you walked in the room too, it was like, yeah, <laughs> it's like left yeah. or right on me. And you figured it out real quick. Like you, you... <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> and so that's what ultimately 
at the end of it, from an intellectual, emotional standpoint, that's what made me leave the business. I, I remember the moment when I knew it was over and it didn't end at that moment, but I, I literally had a breakdown. I started crying because somebody that I worked with closely snubbed me. And it wasn't about that person or that incident. It was what it represented, which is this is over. I can't work with people who in one environment, I'm their confidant, their support system. We're going out for drinks and then we get into another environment at a party and I'm not cool enough. They don't even bother to waste time to know me. And that just doesn't really work for me. I have too much authenticity inside my body for that. So that isn't a critique of any one person or any one incident. It just, it just, I would have kept that job forever had I not had to deal with kind of the whole sphere that came around. I it. completely understand. I mean, I have some friends for life from when I worked in that industry and they were the best people ever, but then yeah. there was a good number of people that like, it was just the ladder game, how high on the ladder they could climb. And, whether or not you were useful to them anymore. Or, yes. I, I didn't have the confidence at the time either. I was younger and just kind of, you know. You, we were all playing that game too. I mean, to be part of that game, you have to play that game. Mm -hmm. And so that was that was it for me where, you know, it, I wanted to be more than what I was on my business card. And obviously at some level that meant something to me, but it, it also started to really bother me because I have the same experience you do even after leaving the business some of those folks are the closest people to me in the world they meet most to me and then there was other people that completely fell out of my spirit i never heard them again as soon as, soon as i didn't have the job title and i was like oh good to know um but that that was that was part of the whole game i i'm with you i totally understand and i i got out of it for similar reasons, I feel like. Although I also got sick of sitting on a computer programming all day, but, but yeah. a combination of those two, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Where did you live at the time? I was in New York City as well. Okay. Yeah. So do you still go back sometimes? I do. I try to, well, pandemic notwithstanding, I try to go back uh, once or twice a year. I find it much noisier than I remember when I go back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting place to actually live and then subsequently visit. One thing I am grateful for is I got to live there, and so I got to see everything. And so when I go back to visit, I just feel very relaxed. I'm there to see people. It's nice to enjoy a, a great cocktail or a nice restaurant, but I don't have any compunction to kind of run around and do all the tourist things because I've done them all. So if I hit one for fun, it's it's a bonus. Um, but it definitely it is very energetically my summary of New York City is it's it's actually like anxiety. <laughs> a lot of anxiety. And so that when I was kind of at that phase of life, I think that was that was really motivating to me. It fit with my body chemistry. But now I'm like, wow, you can smell the anxiety at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> you really can. I mean, I remember sitting on like street corners and reading a book and like the noise I like energized me. It was part of me. Now I go back. I'm like, how the hell could I have done that? Like, <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> I always had, I kind of always had like the fear of missing out because no matter what you were doing, there was always someone on your phone or always something that was happening in some other part of the city. And that took a long time for me to kind of come down from that. So I, I moved away and to actually, I mean, some are totally boring where there's nothing going on ever, let alone competitive, amazing things. <laughs> so it was, it was really hard for me to actually get over that. FOMO thing that was actually yeah. just 
actually quite a driver for doing things and accomplishing things and being in this hurry all the time to moving somewhere where there's there's no big things most of the time. Right, right. Uh, do you miss it? Is it a, uh, do you, I guess it took you a while to, to lose the FOMO. Do you still miss it? <laughs> I don't miss the FOMO. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think one of the major changes in the world since I moved away is there are now, one of the things I miss the most was being able to access industry experts and leaders. So I was totally that geek that would go up to the go up to the Y and hear the talks or go over to the New York Times and hear Mark Jacobs speak or what have you. And that actually was my favorite part of living there was you could just go sit in the audience and hear a world-class expert who's literally the best 10 or 20 people in the entire world just speak in front of the audience. And it was pretty intimate. Um, that part I really, really missed because I do have a craving for that kind of, I guess it's really intellectual stimulation. So one of the biggest updates since I left New York was just the, the crazy explosion of podcasts. And so that has filled in actually a major gap in what I actually missed about New York city. And that seems like the weirdest thing on the planet to say, but it just means that if I want to hear a certain expert or a certain guest speaker, there's a 98% chance I can call them up on Apple, which is great. It's true. <laughs> So I certainly love New York City. I would not rule out wanting to go back and live there. But I think that my quality of life in terms of pacing my career and I subsequently, no, I actually had a baby and then subsequently left. So I'm raising a child and I have a lot of, honestly, I think that I can raise a child in a place where I... <laughs> I didn't have to um, get him on a list for kindergarten when he was two months old. And <laughs> so I just, I find that it's, it's very sane um, other places in terms of it's relaxed. There isn't kind of that high level of competition. I don't need to fret about even COVID um, impacting the rest of his entire life. Um, being competitive about every child's activities and everything that your child is doing. I didn't have to actually a big driver for why I left in the first place. I did not, this is not a judgment for people who prefer this or wanted this, but I did not actually want to have to be a nanny mom. So opening my own business was a chance to be more flexible. And then I could actually be present for my son. Right. Um, so that was, that was, you know, it was a lifestyle, family lifestyle decision. Um, so from that angle, I've never really missed New York because raising a child under 10, I honestly, I think you could live, you could live up a tree house and it's almost the same. <laughs> I have friends raising families in New York and I don't know how they do it either. And I see the stress they have because you don't want to go to the local public school right around the corner. You want to go to the one you right. know, that's 30 blocks away or in another another uh, borough and yeah it's uh... yeah so I think there's that pressure but also I think a lot of the benefit to living in New York City is access to clubs and to bars and to restaurants and to friends being the hub of your whole life mm -hmm. and as soon as you have a little child that none of those things really apply for a good number of years so probably until you have at least a 10 year old you're kind of out of that scene anyways and so <laughs> Um, from that standpoint, I'm just, I feel personally 
um, happy that I don't have the additional stress of having to have a nanny and which is actually, I mean, nannies are great, but that's a whole staff member to manage. And then you have to think about school choices and all of that stuff. So right. oh, I get you. I, I, I completely agree. So I want to, before I get to what you're doing now, I kind of want to go through some more stuff that you had done. You, so you worked yeah. at Harper's Bazaar. How did you get involved with Reader's Digest? Um, so that was actually in my current career and essentially I pitched them stories and they used me as an expert. Perfect. Uh, that's a great, um, I guess they must think, you know, what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you worked so for... actually, that's actually an example of me using my former career and an understanding of what the media is to, um, to, that's a transferable skill to my current career. Right. I mean, you know, working for Harper's Bazaar and what you had to do for them and how you had to, had to fight your way through it. You know, you're climbing yeah. that ladder. So I, I'm sure that that gave you the skills to get in yeah. to other places. So I guess all of these stuff you're doing more more presently. You, you do stuff Correct. for ClassPass as well? I'm sorry, pardon me? You do stuff for ClassPass? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. What do you do for ClassPass? I, so I teach for them. So, so essentially, after I left my media career, I moved to Canada, and um, this seems like a huge jump, but it really wasn't. Um, so I am from Canada, so I was returning to the homeland, as it were. Um, and what I did was open a, a fitness-based studio. So I, I have something that, I mean, I would not call it a gym. In fact, I don't call it a gym. I offer personal one-to-one -one services to help people feel better in their body. So I use fitness-based and nutrition-based techniques to do that. I'm actually adding emotional therapeutic techniques into that mix. But people essentially come to me and tell me that they have pain in their neck, their back, their knee, what have you. Something feels gross. And my ideal client is somebody who has already been to a chiropractor or a massage therapist or an acupuncturist or another practitioner of some kind and what they typically report is that they feel better when that practitioner works on them but then the only way really to feel better is to have that practitioner work on them and so they get kind of caught in this it, it varies i've had people that have done this for a couple months and i've had other people that are 20 30 40 years of this um and so what they're really looking for is a way that they can feel better without having to rely on another practitioner. So I realize that I am a practitioner, but the whole mission of my business is to get people in, to kind of teach them the underlying body awareness, teach them some exercises they can do, get them on their way, and then have their body actually self-sustain. So then when they wanna to go to the chiropractor, the acupuncturist, they're not working on that same issue over and over and over again. And that practitioner ideally can actually help them move forward in their life. So most of what you read there is completely just correlated okay. elements to that business. I got you. So let's dive more into that. So I have yeah. lower back issues where awesome. <laughs> every couple of years, all of a sudden I can't move. And, yeah. uh, I either go get shots or I let it rest for a while and work out and I feel better. And then I start to slowly feel that ting that tinge or that yeah, yeah. so yeah the first so, thing you tell me well a couple things first actually the very first thing i would ask you is what is it that you either do or want to do for other movement and fitness and activity in your life i mean i i run or i do my bike every day so i'm i'm and, I, and I do weights yeah. um 
but I'm, I don't stretch. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, my friend. <laughs> so a lot of the techniques that I teach are basically, let me give away my whole seeker right now, but it's decompression of the joints. Almost all pain is actually because we are compressed. So there's a couple reasons we get that way. Aging. And that's, and it's not because of aging. It's basically a repetitive strain on the body. So when we're two or when we're five, we've done something 10,000 times. I'm totally making a number up. By the time we're 45, we've done it 2 million times. So just some of the patterning that we do, and that includes, you know, if we're right hand dominant, or if we always clench our jaw on one side, we have aging related issues, but they're actually repetitive issues from how we use our body, how we internalize stress and the effects of gravity on our body. So that's number two. So just by being vertical, which you are right now and I am right now, we're getting squished down to I'm the- Totally hunched over, <laughs> not my green screen, yeah. Yeah, it's not a, yeah, I can much from the front. So what I can see just from from that brief moment, if that was actually your vertical posture, I mean, your abs are compressed. So you actually are, you're not standing up straight. And that isn't a matter of kind of throwing your shoulders back. What we want to do is get the forces of gravity to enter from the top of your head, roll through your spine and pass out your tailbone. And then from the bottom, it should go heel strike, ankle, knee, hip. Your core should transfer that and anything remaining should pop up the spine. So that isn't what happens in a lot of people because we sit at a desk. You just told me that you sat at a desk for a while when you were younger. So unless you've kind of worked that out of the body. I stand now. I've stood now for the last 10 years, but it doesn't seem to <laughs> straighten my back back out. <laughs> but, but part of that, actually, I get a lot of moms who come to see me. And I would say that the average age of the child is probably around 10, sometimes 12. A lot of the patterning is actually from they were pregnant or immediately postnatal. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, the shoulders roll in, we kind of start to slump. And unless we do specific work to kind of repattern that, well, that just becomes then kind of how we sand or sit, right? right? And so that becomes just our normal posture. So if you had a period of your life that you were sitting for 10 years and you never kind of did anything about it there's a high chance that your hip flexors are tight maybe your glutes don't function and so just the act of standing is going to make the problem maybe not worse but it's not necessarily going to rid you of the problem if that makes sense yeah it does is a lot of people's big problem posture and just the it is i mean in a, in a nutshell that's a lot of my clients will tell me that that's what I actually do for them is I, is I improve their posture. I don't think that's wrong. Um, I use a combination of techniques. Some of them you'd be familiar with, some of them you wouldn't, but Pilates is one of them that's going to give that core strength. A lot of people don't have that. Um, I do a technique called Yamana body rolling with balls, and that's going to decompress all of those joints. I do yin yoga, which is going to, uh, yank open your fascia. <laughs> Um, what is then a there's fascia? A what's, a fa what's a fascia? Is that what's fascia? So yeah. that if you have ever, I'm going to give you a very old school, simple. Uh -huh. If you've ever eaten chicken, mm -hmm. there's that white thick coating on the chicken. That's a, that's a type of fascia. So if we've got tight 
binding to our muscles. Our muscles actually can't fire properly. And then we're going to get compression at the joints. So you actually have fascia through all of your muscles. And you basically have a bundle of muscles, little layer of fascia that's bundled with some other muscles, little layer of fascia, all the way till you get that thicker layer. So that is actually really driven by hydration in the body. And it's stretchy. So that's what gives our muscles the stretch. If you remember being... I don't know, 10 or 12 or 15, you're like bouncy probably. Mm -hmm. And then typically as we get older, we get less bouncy. Mm -hmm. That's probably because that fascia tightens up, dries up and doesn't kind of still have that stretch in the body. So when you tell me that you don't stretch, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> that's, it's, um, it's a very specific kind of treatment that that muscle that that fiber needs but essentially so what i'm doing is what i call body sustainability it's helping people i get people like you who are active i also get people that haven't done anything for 20 years um so what i'm trying to help them do is put their body into the position where they have agency to make decisions over how they move how much they want to move and to do that in a way that they're not suffering from pain and having to run get therapy every couple of years <laughs> okay yeah i think I'm, yeah i mean i'm i'm active i just don't think i do the right things all the time <laughs> yeah. yeah and so that's that's actually literally what people bring me in to do so i work with people minimum of three sessions up to years on ends where that's the entire goal is what is the right thing to do and we work together to find that for you Okay. Yeah. I've always been thin. So people have always been like, oh, you don't have to do anything. Like you're fine. You know, so I ate fast food and I, you know, didn't do this or that. And yeah, I wish people told yeah, me. We, we conflate thinness with fitness in our society and there is not a zero correlation, but the, the, you know, there are some extremely non-thin people that are extremely fit and healthy. And there's some extremely thin people that have, are, have no health habits whatsoever. So Thinness and health are not the same measure. I think it's relatively new, though, that we know that. I think 20 years ago, it wasn't as it wasn't as well known that like fast food was so horrible for you, even if you weren't getting fat. Like... It's true. No, it's super true. Um, it's actually fascinating because I I so at the time when I had my media job, I was actually doing this as we didn't use the word back then, but it was a side hustle. So this was a passion of mine that, and I was taking trainings and I was, I was deeply investing in this part of my life as a, as a way to balance that part of my life. Plus I didn't have a child. So I had tons of time and money. So it's great. Um, and I am actually shocked at how rapidly the industry has evolved in 15 years. There is a lot in both the nutrition and the fitness slash movement fields that are actually complete revolutionary scientific updates that have come on board in the last, I, I haven't even been around two decades. So, you know, in the last 10 to 20 years, it's, it's actually astonishing how quickly we have updated that information and how much, like you said, I mean, there was a ton of kids that were kind of raised on fast food or, remember that controversy about about uh cinema popcorn and like you were basically gonna drop dead if you ate it and people had been um i don't know that one what was that oh yeah so basically um it was discovered that it was 
it was all the wrong kind of fat and that it was clogging your arteries. And they've since kind of retracted that because the actual primary fattening agent in most maybe popcorn is coconut oil. But it's, um, you know, there's just kind of, especially on the nutrition front, it's just an ever moving, ever changing update of what we should eat and how we should eat and how much we should eat. And what additives to add in and what additives to avoid and right like how i mean over the years science has got it wrong a bunch oh, of yeah. times so it's a, it's a moving target but like i think that that a lot of the trends are actually um they tend to be little flashes in the pan where it's the latest thing but then 20 minutes later we've updated the latest thing to something else um but the the tried and true positions are you have to hydrate you have to eat your vegetables fruit is also good eats exactly eat stuff from the earth as much as you can and try not to eat a bunch of factory processed foods and and that's no i don't think anybody's going to argue with that no and I, I as you get older your body reacts to the processed food it tells you like that's not good like i ate something the other day i'm like i'll block you on one side of my face <laughs> it's like you know younger i could eat big, big macs every day now it's like no my body's like you know what <laughs> it, it sounds like you capitalized on those years though so that's great <laughs> <laughs> i still miss them that's why i talk about them it's still a <laughs> That's really funny. Somebody brought, oh my God, somebody brought in like Wendy's the other day to my work. And it's amazing this, how powerful the smell is that oh. comes off of it. Like it's yeah. unbelievable. Like it's not natural after being a much healthier eater for a while now. Like it. Like, what is that even? Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely has its own smell to it. And it does tend to be somewhat appealing to the human mm -hmm. It's powerful like you could smell it across the whole store like it's <laughs> maybe that's just me missing it i don't know maybe it's not so you so you do a mixture of everything pilates yoga meditation and you kind of combine them all i do and so what i actually do is i work privately with clients so i work one-to-one -one with people and i look at the body hear the story and then tailor the solution to the clients and based on what that person wants in their life and what their body says they need, that's the solution they're getting. So there is no two clients of mine that have exactly the same combination, the exact same program. Everybody's looks different because I have had people, I actually have had two former Olympians, one of whom won five gold medals. So obviously that individual had quite a high level of activity and competency. I've had 15 year old competitive athletes that go to sports schools. And then on the very opposite end of the spectrum, I had, this was the most extreme. I had a lady who told me she hadn't worked out or been done anything active for 43 years, <laughs> um, which is a while. Um, and so most people are in between there, but essentially you could never take a group program and put something together for that Olympic athlete or that 15 year old competitive athlete and the 60 something year old woman who hadn't been active for 43 years. So that's really what I do. There are people who come to me and they're in pain and completely out of shape and sedentary and they literally can barely stand up off the floor. And there's other people like if you were one of my clients, you're already going to the gym, you're already active. So we don't need to kind of fill that gap. We need to kind of fill the gap of, okay, let's get that posture straightened out so that your back pain is kind of never going to come back. 
Um, so some people only need three sessions because they're they're looking just for that little tune up. Other people actually need it's like an onion. We peel off one layer and there's some goodies underneath there and then we keep going. So some people come to me just for really problem problem solving, really specific things. They're going to get a totally different program than, you know, I've had clients that have have been with me live in my studio space for eight or nine years. Well, obviously that's a different program. It's a different purpose. Um, so they're literally not a single one of my clients have the same experience with me. Um, because I've got kind of, it's literally like a tool bag and I'm like, okay, we're going to use this tool. We're going to use that tool. We're going to use this on you. And we do whatever it is that you need. What's, what's the average amount of time somebody should be spending between working out and taking care of their body a day? Um, I find that the sweet spot, and of course I'm generalizing, mm -hmm. um, is just for, for what I'm talking about, like the body sustainability, it's about two hours a week for somebody who's kind of over 35. So week. So yeah, and I'm not talking about like your traditional fitness stuff. I'm talking about if you want to actually have a pain-free body that you maintain for the rest of your life, you actually <laughs> you actually have to like do some stretches or some and there's there are actually, I mean, I have favorites, they're ones I teach and I know they work and I, they've worked on my body, but we're gonna kind of talk about your sustainability programs, which are gonna be more in what what we would call kind of a stretching or flexibility they look differently i mean there's a technique out there called melt there is yamina body rolling there's yoga um there's there's a lot of different techniques and what they're all meant to do is kind of elongate the tissue and you want to look for one of those and and probably take out one of your cardio or take out one of your strength training and put in one of those because what I see a lot of people doing, especially as we do age, we're still trying to work out like we're 25. Only our bodies have more experience. Like and I can take out my leg exercises and just do. You could. Yeah. But guys always do. We always just want to build up our arms and our upper body. And yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, legs. It is true. Um, and, and, and so just maintaining that body so that we actually are not in pain and that we have the biggest thing for me is to have agency over what we do so a lot of people will tell me that they lose their mobility or they'll do this probably wouldn't apply to you but a lot of people you know go for a walk or they go for a bike ride and they're like i'm so sore i can barely move well you're not in the in the position where you actually can then decide the next day to do it again so we need you to be in a place where you're not getting knocked out by injury. You're not getting knocked out by pain. You're not getting knocked out by an inability to do it. And so different people obviously, again, have different thresholds, but when most people start with me, it's kind of planned two hours a week for at least two months to kind of get that everything squared away. Think about your body, like a Jenga board. We want the we want the Jenga tower to be steady. So if you start, if you start pulling stuff out, some people come to me and the tower is like teetering and ready to knock over. So they're going to need a little bit more time, but the average person kind of 35 to 65 needs about two hours a week of kind of just general body maintenance. Okay. So 20 or 30 minutes a day, essentially. Yeah. And that's, and again, we're talking about something now different than kind of your traditional fitness because traditional fitness is going to be really tailored to, Cardio is its own thing. 
strength training is its own thing. Like you just mentioned, you know, you want to beef up. Well, that's a different thing because that's an aesthetic goal. That's not about lifestyle. I want to feel good. I want to maximize my energy. I want to be able to sit at my desk and not have back pain. So these are, that's why you were sort of surprised because it's almost, it's a different conversation. I got you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in really good shape, but if I yeah. reach through the backseat of my car, I pull like a, <laughs> I pull a muscle or something. It's, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of people that have come to me in that scenario as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, because because being in shape doesn't mean that you actually have that. You might actually be really tight. I'm guessing, my friend. Yeah, I cannot touch my toes. <laughs> it is a, yeah. Example, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I tend to focus on non-traditional flexibility exercises. Um, fun fact, when I was in um, junior high, I grew up in Canada, so we had this national fitness test called the Canada Fitness Test. I don't know if there was something like that in the U.S., but every kid did it. And then they they give you a printout of where you exist on the, on the scale. Mm-hmm. Bottom 1% of flexibility right here. <laughs> so there's hope for me? Yes. So, you know, I grew up to then basically teach. I, I don't call it flexibility, but I... I tend to skew towards non-traditional techniques because in everything related to fitness, my philosophy is if the standard stuff worked, you'd be over there doing it. So if you had ever discovered a fitness program that you enjoyed and or was effective, you probably would incorporate it into your program. So whether it's conscious or subconscious, you have never found the value in adding that to your program or you would. So I teach other alternative techniques to help access the same kind of idea where we keep the tissues limber, we keep the joints decompressed, we keep the posture, and then you can build your fitness on top of that. And you can usually do it in way less time, but I'm not teaching kind of those standard stretches from junior high and high school. And there's nothing wrong with those because for some people, those are great. I've seen runners that do them great but they never work for me on 1%. Um, so, you know, I teach what works for me and for my client base. So. All right. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so where can people find you? They can find you at mybodycouture.com. That is correct. Okay. So that is three different words. First word's my, M-Y. Second word's body, B-O-D-Y. Third word is couture, C-O-U-T-U-R-E. And I'm at the dot com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, so you can either friend me or just direct message me. Perfect. And we will post links uh, right before below the podcast or the YouTube video, so people will very easily find you. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being on here. This was a delight. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed this. Now I have to, yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I got to go touch my toes. And <laughs> Yeah, one goal. Yes. <laughs> I've had that goal now for four years. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a long-standing goal. You know what? I'll tell you, I can do it. And if I actually, like, I, I laugh at that one because if I was in junior high, that means that was kind of my, my natural set point. So if I can do it, I feel like you can do it too. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do it. That's my goal for this year. It's still early. Excellent. I love it. Okay. <laughs> I will, this has been a Dweebs Global production. Again, you can go for free resume help, mental health assistance, and so much more, everything in between. It's completely free. It's completely confidential. So please, dweebsglobal.org. Thank you.